Erica is preaching here for the first time, and uh, I know from experience that's always a nerve-wracking thing to do. Uh, you're always a very attentive and uh, engaged and encouraging uh, congregation, and I know you will be today, and do feel free to uh, give Erica feedback uh, later on. But Erica. So good morning. Last week, we learned about Joshua. He had been commissioned to lead Israel into the promised land. Joshua demonstrated his active faith and obedience to God in the preparation for their journey, their journey to take over the land. Just like Joshua, we too are called to a life of faith and obedience. As Joshua exhibited courage, again, we too need courage for an unseen future and faith in God's promises to generate obedience to his commands. After 40 years wandering, the time had finally come for Israel to move into the promised lands, and there was an urgency about it. There was no time for delay. The time was now. Joshua didn't wait. He acted. Joshua models for us that when God employs us and his word into our lives and is asking and calling us to do something, then we must do it without being tempted to wait. God speaks with clarity and often with persistence. I know firsthand, which is why I'm standing here speaking now. God uses scriptures, truth and the spirit to get our attention. And depending on how stubborn we are, sometimes some pretty big events in our lives to bring the message home. But ultimately, we cannot get away from what God is demanding of us to do. This is the purpose of God's commission, a life that trusts and obeys, which is a life that he can use. Joshua was not given any instructions or strategy as to how to conquer or defeat Jericho but he has the divine assurance that God will most certainly give them every place that their sole of your foot will tread upon, just as I promised to Moses in Joshua 1.3. Joshua uses his past wisdom at this point and sends out two spies to complete a reconnaissance mission like Moses did. Moses sent out 12 spies 38 years earlier and only two returned with a faithful report. Joshua was one of them, and his friend Caleb was the other. We are not told if God has instructed Joshua to do this. However, we did know that God told Moses to send out the 12 spies earlier, so we can assume that Joshua is using his experience and wisdom at this point to investigate Jericho in preparation for the attack. The position that Israel is in and will find themselves in once they begin this conquest will be extremely exposed and vulnerable as they have to cross the Jordan River in the flood season and then they have troops of Jericho that will be in front of them. Joshua used resources, spies that were at his disposal, which was the responsible thing to do as a leader in the preparation of this battle. We are reminded throughout history of Israel that their actions always had to be dedicated action, prayerful and with God to experience the victories. For us, this means prayer and dedicated action goes hand in hand. Like we are reminded in Psalm 126.5, those who sow in tears reap with shouts of joy. Praying and sowing belong together. 
Considering the past actions of Moses, and now Joshua sending spies ahead, if Moses was obedient to the command of God, then one could see that his mission of Joshua's is probably more than just bringing information back, and it was about saving Rahab and her family and making those arrangements. A bit like John 4.4, where Jesus travelled through Samaria. He didn't need to go that way. It wasn't the only road to Galilee, but it was rather God that had one of his elect children in that city. And as Jesus taught, not one of the elect sheep shall ever perish. Jesus entered Samaria to save the Samaritan woman. Just like the spies were probably none the wiser to God's plan at the time, we too are none the wiser when God directs us on a task or a mission and we do not know the outcome. The book of Joshua contains many conquests and very hard defeats indeed. All through Joshua we see God commanding to utterly destroy the nations occupying the land and a judgment that has its closest parallel in destruction of the people of the earth in Noah's time of the great flood. Rahab's story is one of the great of one of great mercy. Prior to the two spies arriving in Jericho, God had been working on Rahab's heart and preparing her, leading her to true faith. Our gospel reading today encourages us to have faith and surrender our way and trust God's way. As we will hear, Rahab's confession to the spies reveals that she believes that God is with Israel. And at this time, Rahab's newfound faith is calling her to surrender her way and trust God's way. It's now time for the two spies to confirm Rahab's faith and save her and her family from the impending danger. Let's discover together how this woman known as Rahab, a prostitute living in a moral life, a pagan woman living in Jericho, whose story is one of the greatest salvation stories of the Old Testament, was ultimately honoured in a place of genealogy of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is Rahab's story. She is living in Jericho, a pagan city, living a pagan life, and she is making her way and living as a prostitute, a life that is continuous offence against God. She has no experience or knowledge of God or contact with anyone who could teach her about God. Yet God has chosen Rahab, a sinner, a woman, a person with no prospects. Our two spies have made it to the city of Jericho. I'm not sure how inconspicuous they were, because as soon as they were there, they were discovered almost as soon as they arrived. They entered the house of Rahab and stayed there. Rahab's dwelling was somewhere where the two, two spies could stay. It was probably more like a tavern or a hostel where visitors stay. This would resemble a hotel or a pub establishment where people get to learn the local knowledge, to get information, meet people, a place that is a public place. The two spies have definitely been spotted by the king's men and their plan has been reported back to the king that they were gathering the information. The message in verse 2, look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. This was relayed back to Rahab on the king's orders. It was treason in Jericho to spy out the land and the king was making sure that Rahab knew the high stakes in this situation. The king also made an assumption that Rahab was supporting his cause and not the spies and their mission. 
The king's men confronted Rahab, and she didn't deny that she had seen them. She had already hidden them under the stalks of flax on her roof, and had laid them, which she had laid out to dry. Rahab's lies ultimately sent the king's men on a wild goose chase. She deliberately misled them and lied. Rahab's deception instantly leaps out at us as a modern Western reader. We need to understand that in her culture, in Israel's culture, truth was more importantly defined not as agreement with fact, but as loyalty towards the neighbour and the Lord. Another example of loyalty similar to this is in Exodus 1.19, when the Hebrew midwives report to the Pharaoh that the Hebrew women birthed and delivered too quickly for them to carry out his orders to kill all the male babies. Rahab was trapped in a moral choice in which either choice would involve sin. She had to choose. She had to choose loyalty towards the two spies and the Lord. Rahab must have shown such courage and commitment to her choice to where her loyalty lied, as when the king's men showed up at her door questioning her, they did not enter her house to search for the men. Eventually they left and started their search in the direction they thought the spies would have gone. Rahab was willing to risk her life to protect these spies. Again here, we're not to think that her intention to deceive and save spies' lives exonerates her from the sin and therefore the judgment of God when she gave false witness and that she was saved because she saved the spies. The high-risk strategy constituted the works that demonstrated the reality of her faith. It was Rahab's faith that saved her life and her family. God did not need Rahab's life to protect his men. Rahab was obviously out of, not out of character or nervous, and therefore we can probably assume that lying came naturally to her, as it does to every sinner. Rahab's story is an amazing confirmation that no one is beyond the reach of divine, divine mercy. Once the king's men leave and night falls, Rahab goes up to the roof to talk to the spies. Rahab has heard about the exodus from Egypt, the crossing of the Red Sea, and the defeat and destruction of Sion and Og. In verse 11, it says, When we heard it, our hearts melted in fear, and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God in heaven above and on earth below. Rahab's confession and testimony of God's deliverance of his people and him acting powerfully on their behalf, only leaves two ways to react to God. One is to have faith in the greatness of God and to throw oneself in his mercy, and the other is to fear and resist God, to contest and continually confront his will and purpose of your life. In other words, submit or resist. This is still true for us, for everybody today. Jericho is living in fear and therefore resisting God. Rahab has chosen to submit. She has chosen to leave her old way, or old life and ways in Jericho, risk her life as a traitor and help the spies. She has done this because of her new faith allegiance to the one true and living God. Her future now relies on these faithful spies and the mercy of God. 
When Rahab asked the spies to swear to her, swear by the Lord, to show kindness to her family, this means keeping one's family alive and implies protection for future generations of the family. The promise or this promise or oath by the spies to Rahab and her family meant that they would all be brought into the Israelite family. This oath in God's name was serious. And as we will discover in a couple more weeks' time, Joshua made sure that these two men would ensure that Rahab and her family were spared. Rahab continues to show her faith in her actions as she follows obediently the instructions given to her about the scarlet cord by the spies. The key here is she obediently follows the instructions, which is faith revealed in action. The scarlet cord would have been clearly seen from her window as her dwelling's outer wall was the outer wall of the city. This would indicate which house and its occupants to spare when they return. Rahab was told to gather all the family into her dwelling so that they could all be spared. However, if she didn't, then it would not be their responsibility for their demise when the rest of the city was taken over. The scarlet cord can be viewed a little bit like the Passover and deliverance of Israel in Egypt when they painted the door frames with blood from their sacrifices. But what we focus on here is obedience, an outward expression of an inward faith and even more the dependence on God's mercy as a guarantee for salvation. Rahab tied the cord in her window to symbolise her faith and obedience to Israel's God. Rahab was knowledgeable of the spy's mission and that the oath sworn to her would only stay valid if she kept the secret and gathered her family into her dwelling before they returned. These spies reflected God's character in their dealings with Rahab. They showed faithful, loving kindness, which is going beyond obligation or duty. And again, we are reminded as God's people, we too should reflect God's character just as the spies did with their dealings with Rahab. Rahab followed their instructions obediently. She helped the men escape unharmed, tied the scarlet cord to her window. She gathered her family in her dwelling and kept their secret. The valuable information that Rahab gave the spies in their conversation on the roof would be much more prized than the strategic information. The spies were able to tell Joshua about the great fear of the people of of Jericho because of their God. This, I'm sure, would have given them the much-needed boost in morale and spirits, the courage to cross the Jordan River and conquer the city of Jericho and to battle the Canaanites. Rahab's experience is parallel to everyone who comes to God through the faith in Jesus Christ today. Her faith provides a model for us one who believes in the historic acts of redemption, Old Testament and New Testament, as in the Exodus and the cross, Rahab obediently follows instructions, which demonstrates that her faith is revealed in action. She acted to protect God's people. God recognised and acknowledged her new allegiance and she was fully accepted as a member of the Israelite nation. Rahab went on to marry a a man called Salmon from the tribe of Judah. They had a son named Boaz who married Ruth the Moabitess. They had a son named Obed and Obed was the father of Jesse who was the father of King David. 
Rahab became the ancestor of our Lord. I had the privilege four years ago when I attended a women's conference at the Sunshine Coast meeting a local real-life Rahab from Mount Gravatt, Brisbane. Her name is Bronwyn Healy and she was a regular kid until she was 16 years old when she tried pot for the first time and then this led her down an eight-year spiral into the pit of hell involving heroin addiction, crime and prostitution. In 1999, when she was the age of 24, she sought help and found true and lasting freedom in the relationship with Jesus Christ. And there, her redemption story began. Currently, she is using her past to help change other people's futures and letting every person whose past she crosses know what you have done is not who you are. You are loved, valued and created with a purpose. Bronwyn is now a phenomenal mother of three daughters, a wife and an author, an inspirational speaker and the founder and CEO of Hope Foundation. She comes alongside women wanting life change from addictions and from the sex industry. She runs the Love Well Project, which is her social enterprise cafe located at the Mount Gravatt Lookout, where she is helping change the world one coffee at a time. She is a dreamer and a doer and a real-life Rahab, whose life demonstrated the power of redemption. We are all made in the image of God. We all need to be redeemed and restored. We live in a corrupt, broken, and sinful world, but we have this amazing story of Rahab and her faith, obedience and courage. She lied. She was sinful. A Gentile was a prostitute, and seemingly had nothing going for her. Rahab's story is one of great mercy and encouragement to us. She believed in the true God. She submitted, not resisted God. Her faith was revealed in action and obedience. Rahab was no worse than us. We all sin, and yet God saves us. Perhaps God is waiting for for us, his people, to demonstrate our faith in obedience and trust. Amen.